December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. It's history. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The events. The figure. I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Violiner. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The drama. I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know deep whether or not they're presidents of crook. Well, I'm not a crook. If we dig deep in our history and our doctrine, and remember that we are not descended from fearful men. It's hardcore history. I was thinking the other day about Alexander the Great. And I was thinking about him because Ben, the producer of this show, lent me um, the recent movie directed by Oliver Stone of the life of Alexander the Great. Of course, Alexander the Great probably, well, top five nominee for greatest figure in history. He's the guy who all by himself ruined fiction for me. Once you read The Life of Alexander the Great, fiction just seems dull by comparison. I mean, his mother was a witch. His father was perhaps the greatest man in European history up till that time. How terrible to have a son that was so great that nobody remembers you. And the parents didn't like each other. And the mother may have been responsible for the father's assassination. The people that Alexander came from, the Macedonians, during that time period were like a mafia clan. Assassinations, backstabbing, throw in some homosexuality. That's sort of the one part of the equation that makes it different from something like The Sopranos. It's like The Sopranos plus some homosexuality. Um, and a lot more killing. In any case, it's a dramatic tale. It's been... Well, an addictive story to people who love history since the man lived, which is about 2,400 years ago, in a place north of Greece. I'm assuming a little historical knowledge. If you haven't fallen in love with the Alexander tale, uh, I encourage you to do so. Peter, uh, Peter Green's book is a good one to start with. In any case, one of the great figures of history. There's a certain infatuation, though, that those of us who love a good tale and who love history have with Alexander. And it's something that's been very popular because even though he was very unpopular during his own time outside of Macedonia or Macedonia, we in the West have come to call it Macedonia, but I think the proper pronunciation is with a hard C. So outside Macedonia, not always that popular. The Romans, of course, loved him, though, lived a couple hundred years after him, uh, respected those strong, iron-fisted kind of guys, and tagged his name with the great afterwards. Now, the reason I'm even thinking about this is I told you I was renting that movie from Ben, and then I was noticing in my bookshelf the Alexander book by A.B. A. Bosworth. He's a 
an Australian professor, I believe, who's part of a uh, group of people who are trying to rebalance our view of people like Alexander. In Bosworth's case, it's specifically Alexander. He writes about Alexander the Great. And what he's trying to do is to bring you back to reality about who this guy was and what he did. Because 24 years after, 2400 years after the fact, we pretty much are left with the romance of Alexander and the drama of Alexander. What chips away through the ages is the part of that man's history, deeds, character, that would have balanced out the romance and the drama for us, right? People like A.B. Bosworth want you to remember the dead. He wants you to remember the people whose lives were snuffed out because this man lived. The certainly tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people whose lives were adversely affected because of Alexander the Great. We don't think about that much anymore. 2400 years has a way of dulling all that. And it got me thinking about the worst person I could think of. Adolf Hitler. Worst person I could think of. Most evil individual I could think of. And I started thinking, well, how bad is Alexander compared to someone like Adolf Hitler? Because if you were going to have a contest for, like, worst human being of all time, Adolf's in the running, isn't he? Certainly top ten, right? Well... People like A.B. Bosworth want you to think of Alexander, not in all of the wonderful legends that have been handed down to us. Remember, Alexander actually had a staff of people who walked around behind him writing good things about him, a press corps, and feeding him back to the hometown papers, because in Greece he was unpopular. They didn't think of him as the great. They thought of him as a tyrant and a barbarian, just like his dad. It was, as I said, the Romans who tagged on that the great title after him. And the view of Alexander has waxed and waned throughout the ages. He's one of those historical lenses, a prism sort of, that you view through your own worldview. He's popular with cultures and people that are proud of being iron-fisted, of civilizing other peoples. The Romans did a lot of that. He was popular in 19th century Britain and France during their colonial periods, right, where they were doing similar things to Alexander. He was unpopular in periods that were pro-individual freedom and liberty. The Athenians hated him during his lifetime. Demosthenes had that famous quote when told that Alexander had died. He said, Alexander dead? He said, ridiculous. The whole world would stink of his corpse. So they didn't like him in ancient Athens. And they didn't like him in Republican France, uh, when the, you know, Liberté, Égalité, Fraternité crowd took over either. So it waxes and wanes, and now that we're in this little, uh, you know, renaissance of love affair with Alexander, people like A.B. Bosworth want us to remember the dead. And, you know, it's funny, because if you think about it, you could maybe, and, you know, I'm going to prompt a lot of anger here, and I don't mean it that way. I've already said I think Adolf Hitler's the worst person who ever lived. But... You could make a case that if you looked at motives, which is what you do in any murder trial, right? If you were actually putting Alexander on trial for his murders, and you were putting Hitler on trial for their murders, first thing they want to know is motives, right? Was this a premeditated thing? Did you plan to torture somebody along the way? We'd call that um, 
special circumstances, I think, in a court of law today might get you eligible for the death penalty when you weren't already. Or maybe you had a case of temporary insanity and you're not guilty at all. Motives matter, right? Well, you know, there was a weird ideology around the Nazis. There's a great book you can get on this by Robert Poise called National Socialism and the Religion of Nature. And it's about this whole way of thinking that the Nazis had, and it was like a religion. There were guys like Julius Streicher and Al Rosenberg who, you know, came up with this stuff, spewed out this religion and religious doctrine and this way of thinking. It involved the whole new man idea, and it went back to sort of a pre-Christian warrior ethic that the Hitler crowd was trying to rebuild in the Germans, right? It's interesting stuff. I don't know if Hitler really believed it or if it was just another tool to subject people to his will. But if you believe he believed it, you could make a case in a court of law that the man's motive indicated he thought he was doing good. He was killing these Jews for some good reason. He was, you know, fighting the Russians and depopulating Russian villages as part of a fight against Bolshevism. My point is, you could make a case maybe in Hitler's own mind, his, you know, we used to say he was crazy. When I was growing up, he was a madman. Now he's more of an evil genius in people's minds. I don't care which you say. If he thought he was doing good, does that put him in a different category than a guy like Alexander, who when he killed his hundreds of thousands of people, did it for the glory of Alexander? That's a weird word, too. That's not something that would fly in the 20th or 21st century, because we don't think about the killing of other human beings as being glorious. And maybe I'm only speaking for my culture, the Western culture now. I might be talking outside of my boundaries of knowledge. But I don't think many cultures today in this modern world look at killing lots of people as being glorious. But in Alexander's day, that was writing his name through history. He was the new Achilles. Remember the bargain of Achilles, the whole idea of do you want a short, glorious life? Or do you want a long life of obscurity and Achilles chose the former and Alexander's hero was Achilles. He slept with a copy of the Iliad under his pillow at night. He was the new Achilles. He's the one who took some of Achilles' armor supposedly from the temple in Anatolia when he first landed on the Asian mainland. So he had this thing about Achilles and Troy and glory and killing all these people, including women and children, destroying whole towns, executing whole populations. I mean, the man destroyed the, the nation of Thebes, the city-state of Thebes, down to the bricks and stones. And of course, in typical Alexandrian fashion, he left the house of a particular philosopher he admired standing. That's the sort of romance, by the way, that has led a lot of people to not see Alexander in the Hitlerian mold right? Tough to see him as Hitler when we have these stories that have come down to us about, you know, his philosopher nature. There's that other famous story when Alexander came looking for Diogenes, one of the famous philosophers. Alexander was an admirer. And they found Diogenes sunning himself. 
And Alexander's standing there waiting for Diogenes to accept him, notice him, pay attention to him. Finally, out of exasperation, he says, Is there anything that I can give you that you want? And Diogenes said, Yes. Move out of my light. And one of the aides to Alexander, of course, was furious. How dare somebody talk to the great Macedonian king that way? And Alexander stopped them and said, No. If I were not Alexander, I would be Diogenes. Meaning, you know, he admired the response. It was a good response. These are the kind of stories that make people go, oh, what an interesting guy. And A.B. Bosworth and historians like him want you to understand that, okay, all of that aside, man killed hundreds of thousands of people. If you just judge him on the deaths, is he a whole lot different than Hitler? And maybe if you examine the motives, maybe in Hitler's own twisted, crazy, weird mind, he thought he was doing good. Alexander knew what he was doing. He was killing people to pump up Alexander. So I'd say yes. I'd have this massive tie for first place of the most evil person in history. And I would put about 30% of the world's rulers throughout history in that category. Because I'll tell you, if you look at human history up until recent times, what Adolf Hitler did in the broad sense, what Alexander the Great did in the broad sense, was a more average way of handling things than the way we handle things today. Being peaceful and tolerant and not killing a lot of other people is the exception, not the rule, throughout the 10,000 years of recorded human history. And I don't know if that makes every ruler of man from Sargon of Akkad to Darius of Persia to Alexander himself to Julius Caesar, if that makes them all Hitlers... Or if you grade historical evil on a curve. If you just bear in mind that, well, Alexander's accomplishments and what he had to do to get him and the people he had to kill to get him, I imagine any king of his day would have done the same thing. If you told the king of Illyria he could do what Alexander did, kill all those people, conquer all those lands... Blah, blah, blah. He'd be for it in a minute. He just couldn't do it. So I guess I'm saying that any of those guys, if you pluck them out of their time period, bring them into our time period, and put them on trial, they're all Joseph Stalins and Adolf Hitlers. They didn't have this whole ethos that you shouldn't be. I mean, there were places like Athens, this lone little area where that sort of butchery and heavy-handedness was seen as an evil, but most of the world, that was commonplace. The kinds of murders that we see in places like Rwanda, the kind of genocides that were happening in Bosnia, those things were the norm. And so when Alexander wiped out whole populations of Thracians, um, that was not unusual. So if you grade evil on a curve, maybe Alexander only gets a C. Here's the problem. Does that mean... 2,500 years from now, when historians are looking back at Adolf Hitler and the memory of the Holocaust is in the rearview mirror a long way, 
just like those Thracians who died in the wars with Alexander. You're going to start to see Hitler in the same way we see those people? I mean, I started the program by asking if Alexander's another Hitler. Well, in 2,500 more years, is Hitler another Alexander? What a blasphemous thought. Get more hardcore history at dancarlin.com.